All right, guys, welcome back to another episode of the Geek Mosh Pit, um, your source of nerdery. My name is Jason. And I'm Anthony. And this is a podcast where we like to cover things like movies, music, TV shows, anything nerd related or anything that we just find entertaining at all. So um, how you doing, bud? Doing good, man. Doing all right. You know, uh, it's uh, it's been a bit of a long week, um, but it's been fulfilling. Uh, what, what like uh, how was like uh, your time? We actually we uh, we went to the water slide park on um, Saturday because uh, we're little kids. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, I had a really good time. It was the only thing about water slide parks, though, is that you have to fucking wait in line. Mostly. Yeah. Those lines were cancer. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> that was but, terrible. I had a good time, though, man. I mean, uh, if you ever want to go to a good water slide park, if you're in California, Northern California, you want to check out uh, Sunsplash. Yeah, Sunsplash uh, Parks uh, was Roseville. Roseville. Yeah. yeah, Roseville. So we had a killer time. We all got wet and sloppy and, you know. Yeah. So, so yeah, anyways, um, how has your, be- uh, your week been? Well, I Which saw Dunkirk. Saw? Yeah, let's uh, let's hear about that. Uh, it Dunkirk? sucked. <laughs> I, I mean, like... It, it, yeah, next topic. No, it was it was just bland and and boring and like it looked great and the tone was nice, uh, and the music was good. It it had a it had a good, I guess, atmosphere to it. But there's not really character development. If you know your history, you kind of already know what happens. But uh, yeah, it was just boring. It was bland. Did it feel like a Christopher Nolan film when you were watching? Uh, the way it? it was shot, yeah. and I guess the lack of character development. Yeah. <laughs> Like I liked your Facebook post. You said something along the lines: "Is it's uh, another film with Tom Hardy with a mask on crashing a plane?" Yeah, <laughs> I know. Yeah, pretty much. That's actually the thought I had when I saw the trailer for the first time. I was just like, "Oh yes, we are in World War Two. We're going to kill the Germans by crashing this plane." No, but uh, no, it, it was. I was watching it, and I was, I guess, uh, I, I was entertained. Yeah, I didn't hate the movie. I don't think it's bad. I just think it's boring, and I I wouldn't see it again, and I I wouldn't really recommend it. If, well, okay, if you like World War II movies and you don't care what they're about or who directs them or what, go see it. Yeah. Uh, otherwise, if you want something with like depth and uh, a real story, this is not the movie for you. <laughs> yeah. Well, actually, I was supposed to go see this movie with you, but someone forgot to fucking tell me what time the movie started. Hey, you know, you can always call me. Well, I actually fucking text you all the time, man. It's like, when are we starting? We get to see this movie or not? I really okay. don't give a shit. Don't get honestly. upset. Your boyfriend didn't text you back. It's all right. <laughs> yeah, I was like crying and sobbing in my bed. He doesn't um, love me anymore. Uh, no, I mean, I, I saw the trailer to this film and I wasn't really hyped. I saw when we actually, when we, um, did you come in with me when we saw um, a preview of it before an IMAX film? Oh, yeah. When we saw Rogue One. Yeah, we saw yeah. Rogue One. That and was, was cool. A, there was a, I think it was probably like a four, probably like a five or almost 10 minute uh, clip. Yeah. It was one of, I think, it was one of the openings. It was pretty much just the opening scene. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, yeah, no, the the trailer was great. <clears throat> the trailer got me really excited. I was like, this movie looks amazing. Um, and like I said, it's shot really well. The look of it is is stunning. Mm-hmm. You know, Christopher Nolan knows how to shoot a movie. He knows how to edit a film. He, he, he knows the technical aspects of making a movie look amazing and sound great. Mm-hmm. But like I said, there's just no depth to it. It's just you're watching it. And you're like, I don't care about these people. There was only two characters I really cared about. And if you see the movie, these are the English guy and the French guy who you see in the beginning of the movie. They're the only characters I really cared about. I didn't care about Tom Hardy. I didn't care about. Uh, was he in the movie that? 
Yeah, he's he drives the he flies the airplane. It's it's weird. The movie's kind of like Pulp Fiction in the sense where the story is kind of jumbled. It's like Pulp Fiction meets uh, Crash. It's like uh, the story's jumbled, and eventually all the characters cross paths yeah. to to a degree. So, would you say this is like probably one of his worst films that he's uh, yes. directed? So probably worse than Inception and like absolutely uh, Inception is actually entertaining and I th- there's not really a lot of character development in that either sa- save for um, maybe Ariadne Ellen Page's character and, yeah. and DiCaprio <clears throat> and I think that's where um, I think that's where Christopher Nolan lacks at least these days because his yeah. older movies are awesome Memento is good Insomnia I never saw Following but I've heard it's just like it's really like it's an independent Memento is a really good film and, and Memento is great but um. Yeah, I, I think it is his worst film. Like I said, this is not a terrible movie, but I think in if you need to put it on a scale of one to ten on the Nolan spectrum, it's like a three or four. Yeah, I wonder what it'd be like to see Nolan actually do like a crazy fucking sci-fi superhero film. I mean, we've seen him do Batman, and we've seen him do Interstellar, but something just completely off the rails, and see if he can kind of still kind of maintain his composure. I think all these nerds uh, definitely want him to make another Batman movie. Uh, no, it's not we, gonna happen. Though. We all want it. I want it. You want it. We all want it. You can see it in our eyes. You know, we were wearing a short skirt, but we wanted it. Um, <laughs> no, but we we want this movie. Uh, we like. I. It was really weird. Like I remember watching The Dark Knight Rises, and I thought to myself, "Okay, Man of Steel is coming out next year. Why don't they?" Looking back on it, I'm like, "Why didn't they just make The Dark Knight Returns? Just make The Dark Knight Returns and yeah. introduce Henry Cavill. And then if people are like, what is this? And then like that could have been the big announcement when the movie came out. Like, oh, yeah, we're making a Justice League thing. We're making a cinematic universe. So you're saying with like the Christian Bale character and everything like that. Yeah, like have Christian Bale play Batman and then have Henry Cavill play Superman. And then maybe like an older, uh, uh, you know, uh, Green Arrow. Yeah. Yeah. And like literally kind of like. Kind of like the the like the cartoon movie that they made. And granted, it would be weird to make a cartoon movie and then make the movie right after. So I, I guess that wouldn't really work. What but. did you think though? Because Nolan basically, he, the Batman films that we got from Nolan were more like grounded. They were more like like real, like in real life of a man dressed. Yeah, they're more realistic. Costume. And I think I talked to a friend of mine. He said that's why it wouldn't really work. It wouldn't work to have. It would take it out of the film because basically yeah. it's not fantasy. I mean, if if a guy in a cape flew down right in front of uh, you know christian bale and just be like we gotta save the city and he's just like who are you what the hell yeah so people are flying yeah it's a trap (laughs) alfred (laughs) so it it didn't feel like silly like that it was more it felt more real yeah and i think that's one of the reasons why they didn't include uh they didn't take that universe and mesh it with yeah the the dceu because uh like you said it's um the christopher nolan movies are more grounded in reality uh whereas these movies are are fantasy films they're they're fantasy superhero movies and so it would be it would tonally be strange but that wouldn't really bug me because batman is sort of a realistic superhero anyways like you know in the end he doesn't have powers maybe there's some comics where he gets powers for some reason i don't know i haven't read them but he doesn't have powers and his world for the most part except for like poison ivy and maybe a couple other characters they're all like you know they're all like real people or, or they're augmented slightly to a degree. Yeah. I mean, um, regardless, Christopher Nolan did a really good job with Batman. He did. He probably made one of the best Batman films, which was The Dark Knight. The Dark Knight, In my Knight, opinion. Yeah. Dark Knight Rises is... it's. I still like it, but it's got a lot of problems. You know? Yeah. I mean, it was really uh, tragic with that uh, incident that happened at the movie theater. With all yeah. Those people a lot killed. of people... I don't necessarily agree that that was kind of what 
uh, killed the movie's income because that movie did make a lot of money. But I, I think if that didn't happen, it would have been a little better received. But it's 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 more just kind of like the movie itself was. It was too long. It was a little too bloated. Bane was kind of like his mask is like uh, keeping his pain at bay that even was though the his thing body's was, like yeah. broken and it's just that like, was the thing that okay we were separating fantasy from reality and you know i know we're a little bit on the ban- batman tangent right now but you know we're fucking nerds so we can talk about him as much as we want um anyways assholes. that's not the reason why we're doing this episode but basically to cover right back to batman really quick um you know the thing about him was the that he has like this tube that goes into his head and injects this uh venom into his oh, original uh, bane original yeah, bane yeah. so he was he wore a luchador mask and he had this venom that pumped into his veins. Yeah. And that's and not the very closest realistic. thing you get to that in a movie sense is Batman and Robin. I'll never um, express how, how I feel about that piece of shit. Bane. Film. Bomb. Time to get iced. Yeah. So oh, I mean, the, the, the two hour uh, toy commercial. Exactly. For like McDonald's or something. <laughs> um, yeah. So I think, uh, I mean, Christopher Nolan, he did a good job with those films. I did like Interstellar, even though it was kind of fucking way out there. Scientifically, uh, I've I've watched a lot of like uh, scientists, astrophysicists, talk astrophysicists. I've watched a lot of those guys on yeah. the internet talk about them, about the movie, and they said scientifically, it all it's all pretty grounded in reality, except for like the Tesseract scene. You know, no one really knows what the fifth dimension's like. I mean, I'm sure there are astrophysicists who have calculated exactly what would happen and what things would look like and i guess to a degree that concept of time and relativity makes sense and it's somewhat grounded in reality yeah i'm not a scientist here but uh i didn't like the movie mainly because of like the whole love thing i kind of feel like anne hathaway like shouldn't have been in the movie or her character at least like give her like a different character that's not like i'm in love with someone i haven't seen in 20 years or something and and then at the end of it it's just like love transcends time and space <laughs> and the, and it was, was just like weird to me. i don't care about this i don't care about watching matthew mcconaughey go and through wormholes and all that all right all right all right <laughs> that's what i love about Been on wormholes. a kick of doing that stupid ass impression with that's like, what i love about wormholes they get older i'll stay the same age <laughs> all right all right all right so yeah i mean dunkirk wasn't that great of a film no it's, it's not it's, it's not, not really good, worth seeing really, in your opinion yeah. but all film is subjective so yeah i mean like it's like i said it's it. not a horrible movie i'm sure there are gonna be people who just enjoy it simply for its aesthetic i you know i know some people who are world war ii buffs they'll, they'll watch it just because it's world war ii um yeah so yeah if, if you want to see it go see it if you're a christopher nolan fan like i am but if you yeah. don't want to see it you're not missing anything well my week was pretty much jam-packed into covering what was going on at uh comic-con because that was happening over the weekend. Uh, I've never been to Comic Con. Uh, it's a lot of fucking money to go to that. That do event. you know how much a ticket is? Uh, you know, I really don't know because I know you have to sign up on a website and like get like a, a pass or something. And it depends if um, you know, like if you're signing up for the three or five days. I think it's a five day event. I'm not sure, but it's really expensive. I think it's over a thousand dollars or something. I've heard booking hotel is a pain in the ass. Because like you have to book like months in advance or something. Yeah. Oh, like exactly. A long Sometimes time. a year in advance. Yeah. Like I remember, uh, there was this. You ever watched uh, Bing Bang Theory? You ever watched no, that show? I, no, uh, there was a funny part in an episode where they were trying to go to Comic Con, and uh, all of them are sitting in uh, in the living room and they all have their laptops, all of them, and they have a counter that goes three, two, one, go, and they're all trying at the same time to buy tickets to get into Comic Con because that's how crazy it is, you know, because wow. everyone is just going nuts right off the bat. So, yeah, I mean, Comic-Con to me, I've always wanted to go, but it's 
kind of an arm and leg to get there, uh, plus hotels. and. One day when I have a decent job and yeah. I, I'm making really good money, I will do it. I will go. Yeah. I will take a week off. and I'm not going to cosplay for a week because I'm not that yeah. into cosplaying. Maybe I'll cosplay one or two days, but I'm not going to do the whole week. Yeah. But that's honestly, to me, like, not to bash cons or people who go, but that's the only con that matters to me. I know <clears throat> here in California, at least, I know the big cons are like Fanime and Comic-Con. San Diego Comic Con. There's like other ones. There's WonderCon. There's ToyCon here in Santa Rosa. There's what else? Now is we there? have the San Francisco Silicon. And now, yeah, now there's San Francisco Comic Con. But to me, being somewhat of a normie when it comes to cosplaying and all those sorts of things, I the only cons that seem like they might actually be a lot of fun is, um, yeah, Fanime and San Diego Comic Con. I went yeah. to a couple WonderCons when it was still here in San Francisco. Yeah. They were fun, dude. One year. Okay, so like you know, me and Stefan got obsessed with Watchmen when we first, yeah. uh, when it first was announced and everything. And I read the comic a couple times. Was this before the movie came out? Yeah, so like a couple months before the movie comes out, we go to WonderCon and the retards that we fucking are. There was a whole panel, and and all the Watchmen guys were gonna be there to get so all the actors and whatnot. And me and me and him were doing something. We were screwing around. I'm pretty sure we walked by when they were all sitting there, and we didn't know who they were, and so we just like continued walking, but. I can't believe I missed that. I would have, I would have loved to have gotten their autographs or something. So nice. I felt, I felt stupid for that. I remember the second WonderCon I went to. It would it be cool if you got fun. Jeffrey Morgan's signature. <laughs> Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Yeah. yeah. So no, I mean, uh, I watched a lot of footage. There was a lot of uh, trailers that came out for some films, um, like uh, Justice League, Thor. Uh, uh, Stranger Things season two. Yeah. I, oh yeah, I did see that trailer. That you did see that, that one. Yeah, I'm excited for that. Uh, Ready Player One. I did not see that. Yeah, that was that was a pretty good trailer. I think it's a new Steven Spielberg movie that's coming out. Um, it's based on a book, and it's basically it's looked like a Tron kind of movie, like a kid or a guy that gets sucked into like a world of like video games or like all this crazy. Man, it's like a fucking acid trip or something. Yeah. Um, but we also had you know a lot of um, like I said, we had a lot of great trailers that came out of there. Uh, I think. Uh, Probably Marvel. If I, you know, it's always kind of a discussion who won Comic Con. Was it Marvel or DC? And I uh, never pay attention to those. Yeah, things. I, I mean, there's a lot care. of fanboys that do that stuff. And if I had to choose, I think Marvel had the best presentations. They usually do because they're on their shit. Yeah, they had the best presentations, and they showed uh, some small footage of Infinity War, which looked pretty nice. badass. Um, but I wish I can go to it. Maybe one of these days I can. Uh, once I rob a bank and you know. Kill a pump, a couple Let the people. record be known. Uh, Jason just announced on a podcast that he will rob a bank. Yeah, I'm going to rob a bank. I'm not going to tell you what bank I'm going to rob. I'm not going to tell you how I'm going to do it. You, you hear that knocking? Is it the FBI? Oh, shit. Oh, no. That, I'm just oh, hearing no, That's just uh, child services coming to pick you up. <laughs> All right. So, anyways, we wanted to cover a certain topic here on the podcast, something that uh, we hold uh, true and dear to ourselves as musicians. Um, me and Anthony, for example, we've been uh, playing music now for years. And um, one of the bands that I really liked a lot through, probably more than you, because you you're older than I am. So, yeah. you, you were actually like a teenager when they first started. I was actually in my 20s. When Linkin Park first came out, I think oh, it was wow. in my twenties. That makes like, sense. No, 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 no. Wait, I was like in like eighteen two, or eighteen. Yeah, because two thousand was when Hybrid Theory came out. So I was twenty. Yeah. Okay. So, anyways, we're gonna we're talking about, of course, uh, Linkin Park, and uh, unfortunately, Chester Bennington uh, passed away last Thursday. Um, he was found dead in his house in L.A. Uh, a phone call was given to the um, 
Los Angeles to peace, uh, police department, they showed up and found him dead of an apparent suicide. So when you, you actually called me and you told me that he uh, died and he killed himself. And I, I was first shocked because, you know, we just had a recent death with uh, Chris Cornell yeah, from uh, Soundgarden. Back, yeah. And that band meant a lot to me because, you know, I grew up, um, well, probably more when I was like 13 or 14 with grunge rock and bands like, you know, Soundgarden and Nirvana and Stone Temple Pilots and stuff. That was who, what I really kind of grew up with. So Linkin Park to me wasn't one of those bands I grew up with, but they kind of were like one of those bands that came out of the new metal scene. If that's what you want to tag it. Like, They're, yeah. Well, they were one of the bands that defined that genre, like them early slipknot corn. Would you Limp, say Limp Bizkit Limp was Bizkit new metal? Was, I think Limp Bizkit was probably the most well-known one because they were the, like, they were all over the fucking place. Limp Bizkit. Yeah. They were just Red all over Durst. the They're all over the place. The thing about Lincoln park that stood out uh, for me was all their songs were really catchy. They were, they were more professional. Uh, and Chester Bennington had an amazing voice. He was such a great singer. And um, the crazy thing is, is that they found him dead. On, well, he died Thursday, but uh, he died on Chris Cornell's birthday. Yeah, which uh, July 20th. Yeah, so, I mean, do you think that contributed to his deep depression and probably wanting to kill himself? Well, <clears throat> what I researched is that him and Chris Cornell are very close. I don't know a lot about Soundgarden or Chris Cornell, so I, I can't really delve into too much in terms of yeah, yeah. the history of Chris Cornell. I don't know a lot about him, but um, they were really good friends. Um, there's footage of them like some years back, like performing songs on stage together and uh, his death hit him really hard. I was, um, <clears throat> I watched this Jimmy Kimmel video of Linkin Park performing one of their new songs off the new album called one more light. And uh, that song's basically about like, Hey, uh, you know, uh, some, what's the lyric? It was like, uh, some people say, who cares if one more light from a sky full of a thousand stars burns out? And it's like, I care, I do. And, you know, that song is basically about, like, you know, uh, if you're feeling like you want to kill yourself and if you're feeling like no one cares, remember, I do. I care about you. You yeah. matter to me. And I guess when they were doing the sound check to it, he broke down kind of in the middle of the song. And this then, is after Chris Cornell passed. Yeah, this was okay. like, I think, like a month or so. And then... um when they actually performed it live and I actually watched this video, it's kind of like the last couple lines. Chester gets a little choked up performing the song. And uh, yeah, I mean, he, he clearly took his death really hard. I think the obvious reason is uh, the obvious example of him taking his death so hard is the, the fact that he killed himself on Chris's birthday. And uh, yeah, that's, it's tragic, man. You know, like I, my friend hits me up on Facebook. He's like, Hey, he's always trolling me, but he's like, I got some legitimately bad news. Uh, singer Lincoln Park died. Chester Bennington, he hung himself, and I was like, before I even said anything, I just I immediately went on the internet and looked it up. And I was like, oh my god, it's fucking true. Yeah. And I was like, for like a minute, I'm like, this has to be a fucking hoax because you're always hearing about shit like that, you know, like people like hoaxing that a celebrity's dead, and the hoax lasts like 20 minutes before the celebrity comes out and says, no, yeah. I'm not, fuck you. I no. think uh, Jason Muse, you know, Jason Muses um, from Jay and Silent Bob. No, I don't. You don't know, know Jay and Silent Bob. Not really. Oh my god! Is he man. the guy who plays Jay on Kevin Smith films? Is he the guy who plays Jay? Yeah, he's the guy who oh, plays okay. Jay. He was a huge drug addict, and uh, uh, I think it was some news article claimed that he was dead. So uh, Kevin Smith, who is, uh, you, I'm sure you guys know who Kevin Smith is. He's a well-known director. He's pretty much like the Kingsman of nerds. Like he's got his own show. Also known he does a lot. Bob. He does a lot of podcasts. I actually listened to quite a few of his podcasts, and I've been really enjoyed with a lot of the stuff he's come out with. Um, 
Anyway, so he didn't. He thought his friend died, and then he started. The next uh, few hours later, he knocks on his door and he goes, "You're alive! Oh my god!" Like because he thought like his friend was dead because he heard all over the place there was rumors. So I understand what you mean by rumors about like weird shit, you know, like hoaxes and whatnot. So yeah, yeah, man, it's it broke my heart because Linkin Park to me was one of those bands that were one of the they're one of the first bands I ever even remember listening to. You know, mm-hmm. like I, my sisters were a lot older than me. One of my sisters is five years older. The other one's seven. So they they were able to like actually kind of relate, not relate to the lyrics, but understand the lyrics and understand the music better than I was because I was a little kid. Um, but they're one of the first bands I ever remember listening to, you know, like one of the first songs I ever remember hearing and liking was in the end. Yeah, it's a great song. Yeah. And like, it's just it's Linkin Park was a huge part of my life when I was uh like fifth, sixth, and seventh grade, they were one of the my inspirations to start a band. Really? Yeah, I mean, I initially, of course, wanted to just be a copycat and start a band that was just like them. But obviously, as I got older, I was like, eh, that's not really my style. I don't want to really do rap music. And then eventually, I started yeah. getting into metal. Um, but yeah, like it, it's it's just one of those things where I feel like the whole couple days after that, I remember telling my girlfriend, I was like, I feel like a part of my childhood just died. Because, yeah, like, like yeah, I said, I, I grew understand. up on this music, and and you know they were such a huge influence on me, and God, I mean, I I loved them as a kid. I, yeah, I was obsessed with their music, and just like hearing that he's, you know, hearing that he did this to himself, just it breaks my heart, man. Like, I mean, I was that night, I was listening to some of their older music, and I almost teared up. I was just like, fuck, dude. I've I, I've never had a celebrity death affect me this way before. Like, I was pretty like, wow, when Robin Williams died, I was like, wow, that's fucked up. But, yeah, like, this is like. To me, for me, it's just like, wow. Not to say one is worse than the other, but it's just like, to me, like, because I had such a connection with Linkin Park uh, emotionally it, and musically, it's just, it, it hit me hard. And it, it still kind of gets me upset. You know, when I was doing research for this podcast, it was it was hard to read some of that shit because I was just yeah. like, damn, dude. I think one of the things that might have also uh, added to his depression was the fact that he was a victim of child abuse. Yeah, victim of sexual abuse. You know, um, and uh, it probably, like I said, added a lot to... Uh, maybe drive himself to suicide you know well he, he was dealing with that for so many years yeah. of his life and when you when something like that happens to you i'm sure you know i don't know obviously and i'm sure you don't I, either I no, no. um but living with something like that for the rest of your life it, it still haunts you i'm sure it does yeah i i knew a girl for a few years who was a victim of sexual abuse for like nine years and uh you know and that was like even closer to home than what, what Chester's was. That was like her own family was abusing. Yeah. Her. And, you know, even long after it was done, well, I wouldn't say long after, like five or six years after it was done, it still affected her, you know? And like, unfortunately, this person I know didn't really get the therapy that was needed. Um, I tried to help her through that. I tried to be like, hey, well, you know, let's get you some therapy. And she she didn't want the help. She would, she would come up with excuses like, oh, you know, it's uh, they can't help me. Blah, blah blah I've tried this before and I you know my response was I'm like I think you just don't want the help and I you know like I said I don't know what it's like to be sexually abused but I and I know it must be really hard to to try to get the help to try to talk to someone about it because you know it's it's to my understanding it's a very haunting traumatic experience and you know it's it's it must make them feel very vulnerable to come out and talk to someone like hey I've been sexually abused and so um you know, I mean, just to not not to get all uh, PSA out here, but to anyone who's 
ever been yeah, sexually abused or anyone who who might be thinking of suicide, you know, please get help, you know, and just remember that you're not alone. People do care about you and do Well, I definitely think you need to reach out to somebody. You know, I think it's best to talk to someone. Um I find myself, you know, I've I've never felt suicidal, but um I can identify with people that probably feel like it because, you know, I've had a lot of my friends um who have always mentioned to me like, yeah, you know, I I I've thought about it before once in a while. You know, I have a good friend of mine who uh, is very depressed all the time, and uh, he's uh, he's gone through moments where he uh, felt like he wanted to do things, and I would be on the phone with him and talk with him and just say, hey, look, you know, man, think about it like this, you know, people love and care about you, and if you do something like that, you know how many people are going to be depressed and hurt, and it's going to affect them the rest of their life. They're not going to be the same, so do you really feel like you want to kind of hurt them? And I think it's a way of, like, saying, hey, man, you know, you got to realize that there's more to life than just you know depression and misery and everything like that you know i'm not a counselor or whatever but you know i think that talking to someone is always the best approach you know and if i had a hotline here i'd give it to you guys but i actually don't so just find someone to talk to if you feel down and out you know find a good friend and you know do things with them because you know that's something i learned like i you know i won't say that i've like consistently had thoughts of suicide but i think most angsty teenagers who might have gone through some shit have and uh i'll say right now senior year of high school was the worst year of my life and if i didn't kill myself then i'm pretty sure i'll be fine um like it's it's just one of those things where you know a lot of people they i don't think they're thinking about who it's going to affect when they when they if they actually do it you know i don't think they they think about how much it's going to hurt their loved ones. And I, it's one thing I learned in school, you know, I learned this from this thing called challenge day we used to have. And it was basically just like these, these like counselors of some sort would like, we all get together in this huge library and these counselors just make everyone just like, you know, Hey, you know, share your feelings. If you're, if you're one of those people who are emotionally blocked and there's a lot of people who are, one of my good friends doesn't really talk emotion at all. Um, it's like, if you're emotionally blocked, now's the time to let it out. And, you know, they would they would get people to kind of open up and, and go into that vulnerable, vulnerable place, come out of their comfort zone. Um, one of the things they said once uh, they were talking about suicide, and I'm, I'm never going to forget this line, is suicide is a permanent solution to a temporary problem. Because exactly, yeah, I think most sense. most things in people's lives, most hardships and tragedies, it's it's temporary, you know, or the or the feelings of loss. It's just like, you know, so, you'll never forget. Like, you know, Chester, for instance, you know, like Chris Cornell died and it affected him and he'll never forget him. But it was one of those things where, you know, he he needed he needed to he needed better coping strategies. You know, he needed he needed to cope better with his death and he didn't. And he he took it too hard. And and it ultimately was one of the reasons that he killed himself. There's probably other stuff. I won't try to speculate whether it was his sexual abuse or if he was having family trouble or if he became, you know, started getting into drugs again. It's another thing. Chester was a huge druggie when he was younger. Mm-hmm. Um, I won't, you know, say what else it could have been, but I know for sure that it, it was definitely Chris Cornell played a huge, his death played a huge factor in the Yeah, exactly. I didn't really know how good friends they were. And uh, a few days after uh, Chester died, um, I saw a video on Facebook of uh, Chester and Chris Cornell singing on stage together. I think this was just recently because um, I think Chris Cornell was doing a tour with uh, Temple of the Dog, which is his side band uh, that he had with Eddie Vedder and some members of Pearl Jam. But I think it was just Chris Cornell. I don't think Pearl Jam was uh, 
I didn't go to the show, so I don't know. But anyways, Chester came on. They sang a song, and it, it was just it's it's very sad because here's two guys who are great singers, great musicians, and like very influential on the and they, genre they're both too. gone now. They're both gone because they decided to go the route of suicide. You know, for yeah. me, like you know, for you, like Chester Bennington, like because he affected you because of your during the time that you you started liking that music. You know, that was like your generation. You know. Yeah. I'm not an old fucking man, but I've got a few years ahead of you. And uh, I was gonna say, what? Yeah, you were 20 when their music came out, and like I was, I was five when Lincoln Park dropped Hybrid Theory. I got. I was five years old, dude. Yeah, yeah. Well, the thing is, um, with Lincoln Park, though, I six actually. You no, know, Lincoln Park. I mean, I listened to their first album, Hybrid Theory, and I loved it. And I listened to it over and over again. The weird thing about Lincoln Park, though, is I thought they were like a studio-produced band. Like, I don't remember hearing you, about them. You thought them. they were put together by a studio? Yeah, because I don't remember ever hearing about them as an underground band. I don't know if they had any uh, demos or any albums before Hybrid Theory. Kind of, they just blew out of nowhere. My friend had that theory about Dragon Force. Really? Oh, wow. Yeah, because like, out of nowhere, just through the fire and the flames comes out, and they're huge. He's like, where the fuck did these guys come I from? I know, exactly. So, But then I read on Wikipedia that that's not the case. Um you know, actually, did you know that Chester Bennington also sang for Stone Temple Pilots? I did not know that. Yeah, he did. He, um, you know, after Scott Weiland died, uh, I didn't really think that they were going to actually start playing music again. But then, you know what? I'm sorry. I did. I did hear about that. You did. Yeah. 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 Like completely spaced. Yeah. He, he did it from like 2013 to 15, right? Yeah. He, yeah, he was he pretty much like years. the singer and he sounded just like Scott Weiland. He hit the notes like perfectly. And it was like, Wow this is a perfect fit, you know, um, just stuff like that. I mean, the guy, the, the only, the thing I remember about him is that he had an amazing voice. He was such Chester. a great singer. Yes. I mean, every time I listen to Lincoln park, I go, sometimes I go, well, some of the songs are okay, but you know what? This guy's fucking voice is amazing. He had a powerful voice, man. That fucking scream and shit. Oh yeah. You know, like it's, it was, he was, he, he was great. <laughs> yeah. You know, he had power behind that voice and being a metalhead that I am, you know, he like, I really respected, uh, how well he could hold his own live. Yeah. I mean, I wish I could have seen him live. Yep. I never got a chance. I see like when I started actually going to shows, this was around the time where their music started getting kind of, you know, a little, a little, uh, sell out. I don't want to say it more that, like digital. It like, yeah, well, you know, they made minutes to midnight and it wasn't as heavy as Meteora, but I didn't have a problem with that. But then like the Transformers movies come out, uh, new divide is a good song. And then they released this song. I don't know if it was for Transformers, but they released a song called the catalyst. And I listened to it and I was like, this is like dance music. Like what the hell is this? And at, you know, I heard a couple other songs. I was like, all right, I don't think I'm into this anymore. Like I think Lincoln park has grown into being more of a mainstream like rock almost pop band and that's just not me and you know i'm not gonna sit here and bash them like oh they don't you know they don't fucking, yeah, fucking sell like, why don't they make fucking a song like one step closer i want another hybrid theory 2017 like i don't <laughs> i don't like you know i think when okay when i was younger for sure i was definitely like that with bands not necessarily with lincoln park but with like you know fucking bands like you know like kill switch engage and trivium and and uh you know other big bands like that, big mainstream, and Slipknot too. It's just like, why don't they just sound like they used to? But now it's like, you know, now now that I'm older, I understand that bands, people evolve. They eventually exactly. stop being pissed off at the world and they fucking They kind of go a route though. Sometimes, you know, that's another thing with me. I, there's a lot of bands like, let's just take Avenged Sevenfold, for example, right? I started listening to that band at the very beginning. And I really, I really loved that band. But then 
you know, they got all mainstream and like MTV was like, they were number one on TRL for like a couple weeks and stuff. And I was Fucking just like, TRL. God. I was just like, yeah, oh my God, what the fuck is this? I never imagined Avenged Sevenfold would be on fucking MTV, TRL and shit, uh, right next to Jay-Z or some shit. Um, so, you know, they got, they started sounding differently and it's, I know it's growth, but sometimes yeah. it goes in a good direction or it doesn't go in a, like another direction. Like I think, when you establish your sound after like maybe two or three albums, that's what I would think your band is. I think that like, Hey, you guys are this heavy and whatnot. And then when you kind of tone it down for the fourth album, and the fifth album, I'm like, are you guys just experimenting or what the fuck are you doing? You'd be like Slayer and just make the same album for 30 years. Yeah. <laughs> make the same fucking music over and over again. I, yeah, I know. I'm just I mean, saying, if you're into that. Great. I don't hate Slayer. I'm going to go see them next month. I don't, I'm not talking shit, but yeah, you know. I just, uh, I understand growth, like I said. So it's it's like it works sometimes. It sometimes it doesn't. You know, um, well, the music, dude. The music industry is a bitch because it's like you get these honest bands. They come in and they'll make albums like Hybrid Theory or if you're Slipknot, like the self-titled. But then money starts getting involved, right? And ratings, and it's just like, no, look, the 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 kids, they they like this now, all right. And uh, if you just if you try to add this in your music, you know, I, I think it's going to sell better. You're going to reach a larger demographic. And the more you water down the, your music, the more the less offensive it becomes. Uh, it'll become more mainstream. Then people can play it in the fucking grocery store. You can fucking headbang to bleed it out while shopping for <laughs> eggs and bacon and, and milk, you know. And this is raining blood in Iowa. Oh, it'd be fucking amazing. Just hear raining blood in like a Safeway. <laughs> <laughs> Go to the meat department, just fucking like rock out to Slayer. Or there's like Cannibal Corpse playing in the meat department. <laughs> that would be fucking amazing. Um, but yeah, you know, that, that shit happens. And, you know, it's like try to put yourself in their shoes. Try to try to be in a fucking huge band and you've made two, three albums. And then it's just like, all right, if you want to make more money, if you want to reach a larger audience, you're going to have to do this. We don't want to do this. All right. Well, if you don't do that, we're going to like you know, take you out. We're going to take you off our contract or you're not going to sell well. And there's a lot of pressure that goes into yeah. it. And there's also a lot of studio influence. Some, some studios are just like some record companies are just going to be like, no, you're going to do this. And if you don't like it, go fuck yourself. And a lot of bands come to it. Not to say that's what happened with Linkin Park. Cause I have no idea what happened, why they changed so rapidly. But, um, I don't know if it was pressure. I think it was just because you, you that, that there was a lot of guys in that band. Six, you know, yeah. six. Okay. Yeah, six so, guys. You know, and everyone has like an opinion about something, you know, everyone has like, a, hey, why don't we try this, this next album, you know, and everyone has yeah. to agree to it. So I, from the interviews I've seen them in and from what people have told me, you know, like they're really nice guys. Chester was a really nice guy, especially. And it's kind of interesting here in uh, Santa Rosa, California, where we are uh, based at, that we have a restaurant or slash little small brewery here called Brew. I'm sorry. No, actually, it's called Belly. There is a brew, but there's a belly, too. Uh, and actually, um, the chef from Lincoln Park works there. The chef from Lincoln Park. Yeah, he uh, when they oh on tour, when they would go on tour there. Yeah, their chef. But he oh, okay. uh, he he uh, does shit there. Like, uh, and if you go inside, there's a symbol uh, hanging on the wall, and it's got a Lincoln Park sticker on it. And it has all their autographs on oh, the symbol. Cool. So you know, I've never actually been inside there. Really? No, yeah. they got good it's food. Right next they got to Stouts. Good food. I'm always going in to Stouts. Well, I used to, anyways. I don't really go. Yeah, so much anymore. I just remember um, always on the radio they would have it like a commercial. Hey, this is Chef Grade, uh, Chef from Lincoln Park, and blah 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 blah. And It'll I sell. Just, I used to cook them food. Oh, he still Come does. eat he's, my food. No, yeah. Well, he still does. He was oh, still does a he? chef. So oh, I mean, cool. I don't. I'm sure like something like that took a toll on everyone that was a, 
around Lincoln Park, for example. I mean, you know, I just, you know, Chester had a lot of, uh, he had a lot of dark demons probably. He did. And he, did, he, he yeah. fought, he fought for a long time and it was affecting his soul and his psyche. Well, what happened was that, you know, so when he was around, I think 11, his parents got divorced and that hit him hard. But before that, he was getting sexually abused by an older male friend. Mm-hmm. And that lasted from age, I believe, nine to 13. So this wasn't his family that was abused? To him. my knowledge, no. No, I don't. I couldn't find the identity of who did it. And I think they did that on purpose. They don't want to tell. The yeah, public I don't think they want to say that. On yeah. The public. Well, like what happened was that. Um, so he finally told his dad. His dad was a police detective. And his dad actually dealt a lot in child abuse cases. And what ended up happening was that he eventually told his dad, he's like, you know, dad, I've been getting sexually abused by this guy. And they were going to take it to court and do all this stuff. But then they found out that that guy was also a victim of sexual abuse. And so uh, Chester and his dad decided to drop the case because, you know, so the guy that was abusing him was getting abused as well. Whether I don't know if he was currently getting abused, but he was a victim of sexual abuse, and and that's the thing. I'll, you know, if you do, if you look at studies, you'll see that a lot of people who sexually abuse children or or, or young adults, they end up being victims of it because it becomes normal to them, and a lot of them yeah. don't see anything wrong with it. At you know, at first, it's probably just what they're used to because yeah. they think, hey, this is a part of life, and uh, yeah. they don't know what they're doing is wrong. I'm sure they some have, of them, of course, they got to know but, something. You know, yeah, I mean, yeah. You know, I mean, we're not doctors here, but you know, from yeah. the research I've done, that's what I've I've uh, concluded. I mean, so basically, when you found out that Chester passed away before, after you found out like it wasn't a hoax, how did it make you feel? Was this like such a tragedy? Like I was in shock. I yeah. was in shock because you I, called me. You called yeah. me, and I was like. Dude, this guy doesn't ever call me. I'm just kidding. Um, yeah, fuck you, Jason. <laughs> I always look for my Go phone. Fucking hang you yourself. Just never say anything. Um, oh, that's so fucked up. <laughs> it's too. It's too early, dude. Too soon. Too, too soon. soon. Um, he, uh, you called me and you told me, and I was shocked. But like for you, like because you were more of a, I would say like a fan, but you grew up with him more than I did. Like it must have yeah. hit you hard because for me, uh, one of the musicians that really hit me hard was. Uh, when Kurt Cobain died because I yeah. was really into Nirvana. God, he died when I was a kid. Do you know what year he died? Uh, he died in 1994. Yeah, I was one years old. <laughs> yeah. I was yeah, 14 so, years old. Yeah, I never really got into Nirvana. So I was so. I was 14 years old, and um, I really that band is the band. I, I to this day I still love them, but they're a band that influenced me to play uh, music, just yeah. like you're saying, like Lincoln Park influenced you. And they, uh, I wanted to see him live really bad, and I, this is I actually started liking Nirvana. I didn't jump on the boat after he died or whatever, you know, because people they did that with like Sublime, like he died, and all of a sudden they're mainstream, they're they're like huge. Yeah, I, if I have to hear Santeria one more time, I'm gonna yeah. fucking kill myself. <laughs> I'm I'm so over it. But uh, so for me, I, it hit me hard. I remember going home, and this is like before internet. This is before like cell phones, and we had to go home and and turn on MTV and watch coverage of this entire thing. And me and my friend, we were in a skateboard shop, and we, uh, someone told us uh, who was working there, did you hear about Kurt Cobain? And we're like, no. And they're like, yeah, he, he shot himself. And I was like, was he alive? And they're like, no, he died. And I'm like, and I just was kind of like blank face. I, I couldn't believe it because I really like loved that band. I, That was not my idol, but like say your favorite they band were of a all huge time. Inspiration. Your favorite yeah, band of all were, time, yeah, and yeah. then the, the singer dies or the whatever. It could be the singer... It could be like the drummer, like, you know, I loved Led Zeppelin and John Bonham died and that was really hard because hey, you know, when the bassist of Slipknot died, Paul Gray, I, I you know, I, I wasn't a huge 
Paul Gray fan. I just loved Slipknot, and I, the one I can relate to the most was Corey Taylor because I was a front man of a band, and he's a front man. And you know, yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, but when he died, I was like, what? I was really bummed out. Yeah, I mean, I didn't take it as hard as I took this, but I, I was pretty bummed out. And when the Rev died from Event Sevenfold, yeah, like, you know, usually that's like the common tale. It's yeah. either drugs or suicide. And, you know, I've been a musician now for over 25 years. Um, I haven't been in the spotlight, like, in a, on a main stage. It's God, like you've been a musician longer than I've been alive. I know. It's crazy. <laughs> the more and more we talk about things, I'm going to start growing a fucking, like, a gray beard here. Because you, you, want, you want a cane? You can use your toy lightsaber <laughs> as a cane. Actually, I can. Um, so, you know, I, I just, like... For me, what the fuck were we talking about? I totally got spaced out right now. Uh, you're believe, talking about me being we're talking about uh, this band. I don't know if you ever. Oh heard no, of no, them. yeah, but being Lincoln a musician Park. for like, well, no, we were. T- I was saying, <laughs> being a musician for about 25 years, you know, I don't know that feeling, what it's like to uh, have like a lot of pressure, um, because you know, I think like a lot of people think like, I want to, I want to just get in a band and I hope it gets big and it's gonna be amazing. We play shows all over the fucking country and make lots of money and I don't have to work. You really don't know what's going on in a lot of these musicians heads you know yeah. i mean I, I chester bennington was in one of the biggest bands in the world and lincoln, yeah lincoln park's one of the biggest bands of all time dude like, and uh this is gonna affected so many people you know it, it, it happens with any musician i mean michael jackson died it, it shocked the whole world you know you know you want to know something like <laughs> it when michael jackson died first i thought stefan told me and i thought he was just fucking with me yeah, because you know, he, he always does that he shit. He always calls me and he makes shit up. Fucking little troll. Um, but uh, yeah, no, like he, you know, Michael Jackson died, and I'm, it's it's funny that that actually kind of pissed me off because like everyone was like, "Oh, we love Michael Jackson." I was like, "You guys talk so the media, you guys talk so much fucking shit about him because of that child molestation shit." Yeah, I'm not gonna get into the allegations and whether some of it was true or not, but it's just like you guys talk so much shit about that, and now you're fucking acting like you loved him, like like yeah. he was God. It's like. Fuck you. Fuck the media, man. That's that's you know, that's why I don't like watching the fucking news, you know. And they just milk the hell out of the story and they just put it in your face, you know, over and over, like, yeah, he's dead, he's dead, he's dead, he's dead. He's that's dead. actually why I'm really happy now I don't have cable because it's like otherwise all I'd be hearing about is Chester dying. And like I said, it fucking it saddens me. I don't want to fucking hear that every day. Chester Bennington died, blah blah blah. No, child, child abuse, drug abuse, blah blah blah, suicide, Chris Court. It's like I don't want to fucking hear that every fucking you know yeah, day well, of the week. They're just they're dropping though, man. I mean, um, right now because of you know Chris Cornell passing away uh, uh, a while ago, uh, it was like a grunge movement. It was like Chris Cornell and it was Eddie Vedder and Kurt Cobain and Scott Weiland, and now all of them are dead except for Eddie Vedder. So he's like the only guy left yeah. of this grunge movement. That, that who was started. he? Who was he? Uh, he's a singer of Pearl Jam. Oh, so um, it's tough. It's tough when musicians die and. Because we're musicians, it's tough hearing yeah. about. Well, hey, in the end, man, they're all just people. They're no, all exactly, people, they're all people. And, you I, mean, know, I don't hold them as gods. That, but that's still. the thing about like being a musician. Like you get into that rock star uh, mentality, and not all of them, obviously, but a lot of them. That you know, they they if they if they didn't have drug abuse problems before, they start getting into it because it's like, oh, you just finished this big show, let's party, and then eventually they start becoming dependent on drugs and alcohol and then you know sometimes it leads to like accidental suicides or overdoses or you know and it's it's tragic to hear you know but yeah. i feel i feel like the whole rock star thing isn't as bad as it used to be um although you know we're still hearing about musicians dying of overdoses but from you know it it just seems like people are a little better educated 
on what drugs do to a person. I'm I still am astounded that people do heroin. Yeah, it's such a dirty drug. That is. Dude. Like, I mean, I get it. There's a lot of shit that goes into people abusing drugs. I'm not going to get into the psychology of a drug addict, but like I'm still really surprised people still touch it because of all the shit you hear and how easy it is to overdose on it. Well, a lot of people, you know, they they're dependent on drugs to live through their life. They, yeah. uh, you know, it, the common drug of all time, obviously, right now is marijuana, and it's like I'm not against anybody who smokes it. I used to I used to smoke it back in the day, but you know, I I ask my friends who smoke it constantly every day, like every fucking hour. I'm like, why do you need to smoke so much weed? Because I, it helps me get through my day. I'm like, so you're telling me if you're not on a drug, you're just gonna be a depressed mess? And they're like, well, I don't want to be fucking sober. So, yeah, you know, you know that's the here. thing with drugs. I mean, heroin probably these people probably who do it. It puts them in a state of euphoria and they feel like, you know, this is the only time where life is amazing. And then it stops and like, oh, got to refill back, 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 back in the net. It's just, you know, I did theater with this kid and um, he he's a huge stoner. And uh, we were doing a show together once and our director came out because, you know, they him and the assistant directors and uh, stage managers were noticing a lot of the kids were going out during between breaks, between rehearsals and smoking pot. And all these kids can function on weed just fine. You know, they, yeah. they, they would go smoke and they'd come in, do their fucking scene and get out and they were fine. But, you know, teachers being teachers, they're like, hey, you know, they made an announcement. They didn't drop names. They're just like, look, you know, we understand, you know, uh, we understand the social stigma of marijuana and we know it's not that bad. We know you all like it, but we please don't smoke it while you're performing. Blah, blah, blah. We don't want any disruptions, this and that. And my friend tells me later, you know, because we used to work at this uh, movie theater together and we're talking later and he's yeah. just like, he he never you know i've never seen him really get too angry you know because he's always fucking high he's always in a good mood but one time he's like listen man you don't fucking get in the way of me and my fucking weed you want me to fucking put on a good scene and and perform then you don't touch my fucking weed man like he was saying that he started getting emotional he's like you know he's like i need that to work that's my fucking tool and you know like i said he would smoke he would fucking smoke like five bowls and then go on and sing his heart out this guy's a great singer so like you said you know some people can handle it some people can smoke and it actually helps them you know like some musicians it makes them more creative but like yeah. you know i i get what you're saying you know like i i have also some friends i think we all do who smoke too much weed and like they're just they're nowhere and the weed's just making it worse yeah well like i was like i was saying earlier like i i was in shock like i went and had lunch with my dad and you know i'm like i wore my lincoln park shirt because i'm just like oh they're fucking oh you dead. still have a lincoln park shirt yeah it's it's way too big for me but yeah <laughs> i used to wear extra larges for some reason and i'm a medium i think it was part of like having sisters who grew up in the 90s they always made me wear like baggy clothes that was the thing baggy clothes were a huge yeah. thing and so yeah. i always had baggy pants and they didn't sag below my ass but they were baggy and big and bulky and i had like shirts that were too big for me and so even now it's too big for me i'm fucking 24 and i still can't i got that when i was 13 but yeah i'm wearing it and you know i walk into this restaurant and this guy says to me he's like hey did you hear the news and i was like oh yeah you know we kind of talked about chester for a second but um i sat down with my dad and i was just like you know we were having a conversation and i just out of nowhere i was like dude i can't believe he's dead yeah my dad's like oh yeah you know yeah i'm just i told him i was just like i'm in i'm in shock like i didn't realize it till i was there i'm like I just, I can't believe he's gone. Like, this is fucking, this is someone like, he's one of my idols, you know? He was a huge inspiration. He's fucking dead. He just, he hung himself. Like, you know, yeah. after, after. That's a brutal way of killing yourself, yeah, too. It's I, very I didn't, brutal. I didn't really know a lot about his drug problem and his sexual abuse. I didn't know any of that. I didn't yeah. do a lot of research on him, you know, mainly because I just stopped caring about their music, you know? I'm not going to talk shit. I'm not going to pretend I like their new music. I don't like it. I, it's not my thing. If you like it, great. But, um, you know, 
so therefore, since I wasn't listening to them, I wasn't keeping tabs on them. I wasn't looking at their interviews. I wasn't looking them up on Wikipedia. But yeah, I had no idea like half of that shit ever happened. I was like, you had a drug problem? You were sexually abused? What? This is news to me. Um, I didn't even know the Chris Cornell thing. Like I said, like I, I basically like like Lincoln Park wasn't really a part of my life past like when I was like 15 because I just I got over their music. I was done. Obviously, every now and again, I'd listen to a little shit. I'm like, I feel like, you know, I'm in a fucking, like, new metal mood. I'm going to listen to some corn yeah. or, some, or some old Linkin Park, you know. Because, like, like, you know, Numb, I love that song. I love that song to yeah. death. And I, I'll still listen to it. I think I listened to it a couple of days. And it wasn't because of Chester, but it was the fact that, you know, I went through a well, lot I've of songs. I've done that at karaoke, too. Oh, you've done uh, Numb? Yeah, I've done Numb. I've done uh, New Divide. I've done uh, In the End, of course. Yeah. Uh, I think that's it. Yeah. Yeah, there were, like... Uh, they're also kind of like one of those really uh, the band that like every time I saw them it wasn't the Transformers or whatever but they had like thing about robots or something like or yeah. you know and uh, I was like That's I feel like they were into like anime and Gundam yeah because a lot so, of the album like, covers yeah, I noticed robots. that were kind of like mixed up with that stuff and uh, you know regardless of how shitty the Transformers movies were some of the songs they wrote for that those I like the first good. two yeah I know you hate the second one and I, I I'm sure if I watch it now I'd hate it. Uh, but I like the first two, and so I think yeah. New Divide was in the second movie because they used What I've Done for the first one. What I've Done was the first. I love yeah. that song. It was cruel. Uh, it's crazy because uh, a lot of people would take that song and um, mix it with other kind of films. I remember, I think around when Transformers came out, uh, Spider Man Three came out, and uh, uh, yeah, somewhere along correct. the lines of like yeah. that. So someone took uh, that song. What, was what it I've called? done. What I've done. And they take they took the last part of Spider Man, which was him fighting Venom, and they put that song in the whole entire fight, and it fit it fit that scene because it, in a way, getting back all nerdy here, because uh, Peter Parker, you know, with the symbiote and like you know him doing things that he didn't want to do, but he did it, and then from that tragedy of him being a fucking douchebag and an asshole, someone else gets it and becomes a lot worse. So it's like it fit it fit that whole scene. Yeah. So I'm just like, if Lincoln Park wrote that song for this movie, it wouldn't make the movie any better, but that would have been a great song because it's a great song in general. I just think, you know? Yeah, no, it is. I mean, it's the lyrics are heartfelt and, you know, I guess that's something I should have paid attention to when I was younger is I should have paid attention to how deep the lyrics were because obviously a lot of those lyrics are about giving up or about wanting to fucking kill yourself or kill others around you and, uh, one of the you know things, one of the things I researched on about Chester was that like you know because of all of his abuse, because of his his drug problem and his alcohol problem when he was younger and his parents divorcing, he like he he just he wanted to kill people and run away. That's one of the quotes I saw. He's like, I wanted to just kill everyone and run away and not give a fuck. Um, and you know, that's, probably someone in like pushed like, you know, him. Now you fucking read the lyrics or listen to them, and it's like, wow, that that was all from like the heart. That was all from him, and you know maybe from Mike. I don't really know the rest of the band's history, but. You know, yeah, I mean, one of the things I want to get into, because I know we're getting close to the hour here, is the, you know, I was watching a video today. Um, Russell Brand has this show called The Trues. I've never heard of it until today. But he did a video about Chester Bennington and suicide, and um, there's been a 40% rise since 2008 in male suicides. Oh, wow. And he said that probably the one of the reasons why a lot of people, especially men, uh, kill themselves is because um, <clears throat> they – you know, there's there's this social stigma, this social excuse me, this social pressure expectation of men getting a decent job and, you know, paying their bills, providing for their family, and if they don't do any of those things, they're failures. I mean, I, I know people who kind of talk that way. 
you know, they're kind of just like, well, if you don't have your life together, then go fuck yourself. And it's just like, you know, on one hand, I get it. It's like, yeah, don't be a lazy cunt. But on the other hand, it's just like, you know, it's not that easy for a lot of people, you know, and you, and you can't just tell someone if you're not going to fucking uh, get your act together and, and become financially independent and successful, then, you know, eat a dick. You know, it's it's you need to be a little be a little more gentler with people, you know? And yeah, I think you should be gentle, but firm, you know, you shouldn't be a complete asshole to someone about getting their life together, but you should be firm and honest and, you know, and also helpful. Um, yeah. He said that, you know, people, they cave into the social pressures. Um, and a lot of people who die, who want to kill themselves are not necessarily wanting to die. They just want their life to change. And, but then some of them end up, yeah, they do you know, die. There's they like, do end up killing themselves. What I meant was like some of the people who have suicidal thoughts, they're not necessarily wanting to kill themselves so much as they just want their life to change. But they're thinking to themselves, like, if my life isn't getting better, then. Yeah, I exactly. I mean, up? let's say like you are doing the same thing over and over each day. You're not doing anything different. You're sitting at home and whatnot. Your depression's going to rise. And those feelings of like, I'm just living on a fucking roller, uh, what was Rolodex? Is that what you call those Ro- things? Rolodex? Roller coaster? No, not roller coaster. It's, um, it's those things with the cards. Anyways, I'm going to just change it. It feels like <laughs> it's a broken record. Yeah, yeah. I fucking almost thought it was Rolodex. It could be Rolodex. I'm not sure. A Rolex? That's a watch. Um, I know a Rolex is a watch. But anyways. <laughs> That's uh, so fucking funny. When you're like going and, and you're, you're living your life and it's the same shit over and over and nothing's happening. You know, you're not moving forward. Your job. You, you're just. Hey, I've been there. Life gets yeah, stale. You kind of feel like. And I tell a lot of my friends and even myself, it's like life is a roller coaster, man. You're going to have your ups and downs, you know, and you're not going to be like that forever. If you choose to live your life that way then it's not going to be the perfect life for you because, you know, there's more to life than just being depressed, like I said earlier. So Well, one, one thing I've learned, and I've heard this from other musicians, I watched this video of Jim Root, um, old guitarist of uh, Slipknot, or excuse me, old guitarist of Stone Sour. I think he's still in Slipknot. Yeah, yeah he is, yeah. Um, he did a video because he was talking about how he has a lot of social anxiety and whatnot, and he said that the best thing to do if you have some sort of, if you have anxiety or any sort of mental thing where you can't think overthink things for too long before you start freaking out he's like get positive outlets stay out of your head you know he said he's like for me he was playing music and, and that's the same thing dude you know oh, I, yeah. I grew up in Vallejo and you know I, I hung out with a lot of shitty people and I, I feel that if my parents didn't move me here and if I didn't have music I probably would have wound up in jail you know because I just yeah. I, I got into a lot of bad shit and you know like you know, obviously I've, I have my own personal things in life that, you know, shit went down when I was a kid that I didn't cope with well at first. And so, you know, yeah, I, I wanted to initially just kill people or myself, but like, you know, I, I picked up music, I picked yeah. up music and, you know, I think music is a you know big part of why I didn't end up in jail or even fucking kill myself yeah. when I was 17. And so that's the, that's the key, you know, that's, that's one of the, I, I hear this from psychologists and I hear this from just regular people on the street is just, you know, you got to find positive outlets. And if you need medication, well, you know, you discuss that with your doctors and, and, you know, yeah, just try to try to stay as positive as you can. If you feel like you can't, uh, independently make yourself feel better, call a friend, call a friend, yeah. call a hotline, uh, you know, do whatever yeah, you gotta I mean, do. I don't, we don't want to sound like a P, uh, PSA, but if you, you, know, if, have you have, Sarah, if you ever have, you should a, have the Sarah McLaughlin song in the arms <laughs> of an angel playing right here. But if you ever have a moment where you think it's better to not be here, you just reach out to someone, of course. you know, you got it because that's, that's the best medicine I can give to anyone as advice. Um, I've had friends who've dealt with depression and I've given them that advice and, uh, 
you know, we're, it's very uh, sad for me to hear people that we care about or even people that we idolize who, 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 uh, end up killing themselves and Chester Bennington, you know, he was an amazing musician and it sucks. And, you know, it's just, but the thing is, I look at it this way though. We still have the music and he will live on through his music for sure. Oh, of and course. I think that goes for a lot of, it goes for pretty much every musician. Who of dies. course. You yeah. Know, you will live on through your music. You know, Michael Jackson, you know, he had a pretty, uh, he had a pretty shitty time with you know, the molestation allegations and, and his, it's the way he grew up. But in the end, you know, doesn't even matter. <laughs> oh, fuck. I just had to do that. Um, yeah, man. So I, I get what you're saying, but, um, anyone like i said feeling like that please reach out to someone we also want to give our thoughts and prayers to chester bennington's family his kids i know his bandmates are probably just intensely depressed about this you know but like i said i just really hope to god they don't get a singer to replace him or do something along the lines later i mean i'm sure i'm sure they'll do it like as a as a thing because a lot of like a reunion show they'll have yeah they'll probably have a singer that he knew yeah like um like okay, Nirvana was inducted into the Hall of Fame like a couple of years ago. So obviously Kurt's passed away, but they uh, performed like four or five songs, and they had a singer from a, a, a different singer from a, a different band come and sing. You know every they did song. that when Mitch Lucker from Suicide Silence died. They have a whole concert and they play like fucking like eighteen, nineteen songs, and each song there was a oh different wow, singer. you see, yeah, that's... it's it's fucking good, dude. Phil Bozeman from Whitechapel goes on there and he does unanswered. Fuck. Wow. It's fucking metal as fuck, dude. And yeah. Eddie Hermita comes on and says, uh, "Slaves to Substance." No, dude, it, it's fucking, it's badass. You you need to check that DVD out. Oh, it's called will. yeah. For you folks who don't know, what we're talking about Suicide Silence. Ending is the beginning. Check out that live album DVD on fucking YouTube or buy it. I bought it. It's great. Nice. Um, especially if you're a Suicide Silence fan. But hey, let's wrap this up with a yeah, definitely. Note. Um, so- check out a local YouTuber. They're called Nerd Jive. Uh, it's run by John Norgrove and Dominic Fabiani. Uh, they're fucking great. They're, you think we're nerdy. They're nerdier than we are. They get into, they'll sometimes watch anime and get fucked up. They review uh, movies. They talk about actual science. They talk about porn. They talk about porn. Do they talk about porn? Oh, that's fucking right. <laughs> uh, they also get into politics a little bit. Hopefully that won't alienate some of you. But uh, yeah, check them out. Fucking Nerd Drive, man. We'll leave a description in the. We'll leave a link in the fucking description below. Yeah. God damn it. Fuck you. So anyways, yeah, we uh, want to say thanks for listening again. Uh, make sure you listen to us on YouTube and uh, SoundCloud if you're listening to us on SoundCloud. We're trying to get iTunes working right now. Hopefully that will kind of kick us up a little bit. Uh, and also be sure to check out another great podcast called Hops and Monsters. And, badass. Uh, yeah, badass. Uh, it's good to support a lot of the local podcasts. A lot of our friends are starting to do this now, which is really good because, yeah. you know, we have a lot to Plug say. Plug your friends. You know, you never yeah, know. we have a lot to say. So, um, anyways, uh, that's it for the Geek Podcast. Uh, Sorry, Geek Mosh Pit Podcast. Geek Mosh Pit Podcast. Sorry, like, I... comment, subscribe, share this with your friends, families, and enemies alike. Once again, this is the Geek Mosh Pit Podcast. I'm Anthony. I am Jason. And thank you for listening. Guys, have a good one. Have a good day. Sun